Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wurtzbacher. And today we are going to a continent we have yet to discuss on this podcast. Our guest is Lauren Bowen, and she's a chiropractor and an adventurer who's here to share her stories exploring five countries in South America on a 10-week journey of now or never. Lauren's one of our good friends over at Rogan Sports Clinic here in Charlotte. And this is actually the team that helped me get back to a life of adventure after I experienced my own back pain. So thank you guys very much for that. Uh, Lauren lives here in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, but she recently moved here from Northeast Ohio, where she was born and raised. She's been to 17 total countries so far and has already made four separate trips to South America. One of the photos on my personal vision board is of Machu Picchu, and that will certainly be one of the stops that we talk about today. So I'm super excited. Lauren, welcome to the campfire. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. I'm really excited to connect and, and hear about this journey that you took. And uh, I'd like to just start by just jumping right in. Can you tell us really kind of an overview of this epic trip that you took? Yeah, so kind of an overview. We left mid-November. It was 10 weeks long. Uh, so we went to five countries, starting in Colombia. Then we went to Peru, uh, Chile, Argentina, and then Uruguay. And so, yeah, we got back end of January and we spent all of our holidays over there. And it was, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, so can you kind of share some of the like details of each of the countries that you visited and kind of some of the highlights in each one of them? Yeah. So, um, probably one of my favorite places in Colombia was when we went to Medellin, which is one of the larger cities there. Um, it's the one that is kind of known most famously for, uh, that's where Pablo Escobar was and kind of ran his, his nice. gang, yeah. right? Um, but they want to be known for more than that. And they, I mean, they definitely are now, I would say. It's a beautiful city, so vibrant. We went up into the Comunas, which is like the neighborhoods on the hills. Um, they gave us a tour there. There was so much beautiful artwork all over the buildings and everything. The people were lovely. Um, it's just, that's, that's probably my favorite place in Colombia. They're getting away from infamy there. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then in Peru, we went to Machu Picchu. That was probably the highlight in Peru. I mean, what can you say? It was just breathtaking. Everybody should have to go see that at some point in their life. Okay, can um, we just can we just go there now before we yeah. before we continue on? Because I like it's as I said, it's a it's on my bucket list. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't really know a whole lot about it. Um, mm -hmm. So can you just kind of like dive into Machu Picchu? Tell us like what it is and okay. kind of like some details about um, what you experienced there. Yeah, so it's an ancient Incan city that's like hidden within the mountains. So there's several ways that you can get there. Usually everybody. Uh, begins in Cusco, which is kind of the major city um, for tourism there. 
And then from Cusco, you travel to Aguas Calientes, which is like the tiny little town right at the entrance of the park. Um, and then, so to get from one Cusco to Aguas Calientes, you can take several different routes. You can mm -hmm. take the Inca Trail, which is I think the most well-known trail. It's like a five-day trek. We did a different five-day trek, the Salcantay Trail. And then other people will take the train, uh, which is a really cool experience, but a bit more pricey um to get to the entrance of the park and then once you're at the entrance of the park when we were there i mean it was like a madhouse to see who could get into the park first because they opened at 5 30 in the morning right <laughs> and you wanted to be there with as few people as possible yeah. um it's kind of chilly and, and uh cloudy foggy up there because you're so high and you're in the mountains but um i mean the views were incredible just seeing all the history all the ancient history right all the ancient ruins and stuff uh, we took a great tour and our tour guide told us a lot about the um, the history and the culture of the sites, right? Um, and I, again, strongly want to encourage anybody to get there as soon as they can because our tour guide had told us that the year that we were there was the last year that tourists would have unlimited time to leisurely walk through the year uh, ruins. Oh, wow. So I don't know if that's super true or not, but she told us that that year after they were going to begin placing a time limit on how long people could be there just because it was such a popular place and the ruins were getting a little bit destroyed because of, yeah. right, because of all the traffic. So, yeah. yeah. So Machu Picchu is one of the seven wonders of the world, right? Yeah. All right. So can you talk about the, the wonder that you experienced when, while you were there? I mean... It's just indescribable when you're standing up in the ruins, especially if you're at a high vantage point and you just look around 360 degrees, you're surrounded by mountains, by greenery. I mean, you're at the level of the clouds. I mean, your head are literally in the clouds. What is, what is the elevation of Machu Picchu? So Machu Picchu, the elevation is actually 7,972 feet. So it's not uh, too, too high. But the trek that we took to get there, and I believe on the Inca Trail, actually getting to Machu Picchu is actually even higher. Is it is it at a height that it would actually impact? Like, I mean, is there is there risk of altitude sickness? Yeah. So um, a lot of times your travel guides or tour guides or hotels, hostels, whatever, when you first arrive in uh, Cusco or in Aguas Calientes, they recommend staying a day or two before you actually go up into Machu Picchu so that you can acclimate to the climate. Got it. Wow. That's, mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Um, obviously having just come back from Kilimanjaro, I can completely relate to that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, okay. So how, so how long was the trek that you took? It was five days. We started in Cusco and then we trekked all the way to Aguas Calientes um, and then up to Machu Picchu. So okay. five days and total. what were like the, the accommodations like? Were you camping? Were you in huts? Uh, so most of the time we were camping. We camped the first four nights. And then our last night when we got to Aguas Calientes, we stayed in a little motel kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, so that we could recover from the trek and enjoy Machu Picchu before we made our way back. So yeah, we were in a camp uh, tents and stuff that our guide uh carried for us we had several guides yeah so. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I mean, actually similar to the experience I had um, oh, cool. in Africa, but yeah, I, um, I, I know that this was like one of the only parts of the trip that you actually planned. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm curious kind of what that was like, and then we can get into the rest of the trip that was unplanned, but why did you, why was this the planned part? Uh, this part was planned and our trek that we also did in Chile was a little bit planned as well because we knew that these were going to be very popular, high traffic, high tourist sites. So we didn't want to risk missing the booking for it, right? And not being able to do it once we got there. Um, everything else we kind of did unplanned because we wanted to be able to have some flexibility in our itinerary. Um, yeah take the advice of other travelers that we met or other locals that we met um, saying, oh, you should go do this while you're here or, you know, spend more time in this place and this place. So that's why we didn't plan everything before we left. Oh, yeah. That's the beauty of spontaneity and the adventure yeah. in it. So, right. okay. So we've, we've hit Colombia. We've hit Peru. Let's keep going. Okay. So then we went all the way down to the south of Chile. Uh, the Patagonia region to go to Torres del Paine, which is a national park down there. Uh, that's where we did the W circuit trek, another five day trek where we camped. That was absolutely incredible. Um, whether you go to the Chilean side or the Argentinian side, everybody should go to Patagonia as well, at least once in their life. It's, if you like nature and hiking and camping, I mean, you can't beat those views and the remoteness out there either. That's all we did in Chile because I had been to Chile several times before. So we just wanted to hit that one park. Can you, before we go on, can you kind of describe what you just talked about, the, the, the views that you saw? I'd love to hear a little bit more about Patagonia and just kind of the description of the landscape that you saw there. Yeah. So I would say Patagonia is like landscape wise, kind of similar to Colorado. Um, okay. Tons of mountainous landscapes, rocky landscapes, but lots of greenery as well. I mean, we saw some lakes that the water was like aqua, teal, amazing blue. The skies were clear the entire time, uh, sunny the whole time. We did have some strong winds up to 50 miles an hour that actually knocked me wow. over into a bush at wow. one point. <laughs> and and you guys were you guys were camping there too, you said? Yeah, we camped there. So uh, when we got to the base camp before we left for our trek, we stopped at a local um, tour guide and rental place. And they did a debriefing, like a little 30 minute to an hour talk to tell you everything that you need to know before you begin your trek, because it is self-guided. We didn't have a guide. Uh, right. And we also rented some gear from there, like the bigger things that we couldn't bring in our packs ourselves tents, sleeping bags, stuff like that. And this part of the trip was unplanned. You kind of just made this up. Well, you, like you, you've hired a tour company, but that was not something that you'd done in advance. We did plan this part because within the trek, there's specific campsites and there's only like one campsite per leg of the trip. And those fill up very fast. So we, this was the second and only other thing that we did plan ahead of time. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, um, so many of us have the hats and the, sh and the jackets, right? The Patagonia right. hats and jackets. Right. And, and we walk around wearing the brands and then we're super proud right. of it, <laughs> identity around it. But, uh, you know, I don't know a whole lot about that landscape. So I guess if I'm going to wear the hat and the jacket, I got to get down there. 
Yeah, you do. You need to back it up, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I, I mean, this has been awesome hearing about it. Um, okay, Colombia, Peru, Chile. Where are we going next? Then we went to Argentina. So mm -hmm. we stayed in the south in the Patagonia region. Um, and we went to a national park called Los Glaciares, which is just means the glaciers. So this was just like a day, a day trip that we wanted to go see basically for viewing this massive wall of just ice. I mean, this glacier was huge, um, made for some great pictures for sure. So then we only stayed there maybe a day or two. And then we went back up north to Buenos Aires, which is the capital of Argentina and one of their major metropolitan cities, which was very cool. Um, we did a lot of the touristy things, right? Like we went to a evening of uh, dinner and tango. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the first night that we got there was Christmas. And we didn't think or plan ahead of time to eat before we arrived. So we arrived Christmas night and we were like, oh, let's go get something to eat, right? Everything was closed. Everything was closed. So, I mean, we had to walk a couple miles before we found anything that was open to get some wow. dinner. Yeah. What an experience though. So you were in the city on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On Christmas awesome. day, the next day. Okay. Yeah, super fun. So most of your trip was was a, was mostly a natural experience, but Buenos Aires was was kind of your big city. Yeah, so we did um, a couple of big cities in Colombia. So we went to the capital mm -hmm. of Colombia, which is Bogota. Medellin is a big city, and then yeah, Buenos Aires would be the next big city, and then Uruguay. We also went to the capital, which is Montevideo. So we did a mixture of natural camping, hiking, trekking, and like urban city adventuring yeah wow. we saw kind of everything in between so fun yeah okay so then so Ar argentina you just uh, alluded you so next was uruguay yeah next was uruguay so uh between uruguay and argentina it's super easy to get we took a ferry um i think it was like an hour and a half long to get to uruguay they have a very close relationship i mean argentinians always vacation in uruguay that's where they go so um and my travel buddy she actually has family that live there so she's half Uruguayan. So we largely, when we were in Uruguay, stayed with her family and, you know, let the local locals show us around and what to do. So that was very cool, a uh, unique experience. Yeah. So this is so cool. And so I think like for me, I'll speak for myself and I think South America, I think like tropical, right? I think sort of, but, but that's not, I mean, you talk about glaciers and you talk about mountains. Right. Can you just talk a little bit about some, like the diversity of the landscape that you experienced during those 10 weeks? Absolutely. I mean, I think you're right. Most people, when they think of South America, they think of tropical jungle, right? Which is the case in some places. I mean, uh, one of the national parks that we went to in Colombia was definitely jungle, right? It's called Tyrona. Um, and Brazil obviously has the Amazon. But yep. the further you go south, it's just like going north in North America, right? It gets colder, it gets drier. I mean, I've seen the jungles in South America. I've been to the desert in South America, the Atacama Desert, super dry, mm -hmm. right? One of the driest on, on the planet. You go further south and you start hitting the mountainous rocky regions. And then even further south and you start to see the glaciers. And even in Colombia, when we were further closer to the equator, we were actually you know, kind of surrounded by the Andes. So even as far north as we were, it was still pretty cold. We had to wear long sleeves most of the time, except yeah. when we were all the way up at the coast. 
at the beach. Yeah. Well, as I was going to ask you, I mean, pretty, I'm, I'm assuming you had some fairly extreme temperature differences and you guys were backpacking essentially. So how, right. how do you pack and prepare for that? So each of us had a 65 liter backpack um, mm -hmm. that we had to carefully, carefully plan what to bring, right? Because it was 10 weeks. We had to fit 10 weeks of our life in different climates into this backpack. So we definitely had very few um, clothing items for each climate, like one really thick sweater or like one tank top. And, you know, obviously we had to bring our hiking boots for all the camping we were going to be doing and hiking. So that was took up a lot of space and weight. I mean, it was tricky for sure. And once you got to one place and you were like, okay, we're here so I can unpack, repacking was also a trick <laughs> because yeah. you had to put it just as you had it before. So it fit perfectly, but also save just a tiny amount of space for any souvenirs that you wanted to pick up along the way yeah, as sure. well. That's why we rented a lot of gear when we camped and stuff. That makes total sense. Like for perspective, for those listening, I, I think I, I think my backpack is a 65 liter as well. And I, we did a, a backpacking trip this summer with my family. We did some stuff in Northern Minnesota and my backpack was full for three nights. So yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it was me, tough. Imagine, you definitely have to be very, very careful about the way you pack. Yeah, you had to be frugal about what you decided to bring and what you decided to pick up along the way as well. Was it worth it, right? Yeah, exactly right. So um, we like to talk on this podcast about the word awe. And this is, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the definition that I like the best comes from Google's. And it's a, a reverential sense of wonder. Um, it's kind of this, this sort of fear and wonder mixed together. And uh, I'm just curious if when you were out there, did you experience any of those awe moments? Oh, I mean, countless times, probably at least once in every country we went to just because of the landscapes alone. I mean, especially in um, Machu Picchu, Patagonia, when we were in the more natural landscapes, a hundred percent and it's sort of indescribable until you're there and you're surrounded by it right you just can't you just can't explain it enough so that somebody else can understand exactly what you were feeling and experiencing it's something i think everybody needs to experience for themselves that's that's really amazing so um just as we kind of went through the highlights of your trip i am curious you were gone for 10 weeks right. and I'm wondering for, for people that may only have like a couple of weeks to go, if you could pick one or two highlights that, that somebody could do in a, you know, two weeks, 10 days, something like that. Like what would, what would be the things that you would recommend? Well, if you only are going to go for a couple weeks or less than two weeks, right. I would say pick one country. I would kind of do one country at a time because okay. within each country, there's so much to see that you want to make okay. sure you have enough time there. Um, obviously, I would say start with Machu Picchu. That's kind of the easiest spot for beginners, I would say, because it is so popularized and touristy. Um, so many people there speak English that if you don't speak Spanish, it's totally fine. You will find people that can help you, right, um, navigate. And also, like we said, it's one of the seven wonders of the world, so everybody should see that. I would say Patagonia, whether Chile or Argentina side, because I mean, I, again, I can't say enough about it. Just, wow, you have to go see that for yourselves. And then if you want to see something a little bit more um, urban, I would say Buenos Aires was very cool. Um, and Medellin, Colombia 
are very, very cool cities, very fun cities. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So now I understand uh, why you've gone back several times because of the diversity of what there is to do there. But, right. but, that, but you have been there four times. So, you know, of all the different places that you could choose to go in the world, um, there's something about South America that calls to Lauren. Like, what is it that calls yeah. you there? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's got to be a mixture of the scenery, the natural landscapes, but also the people. I mean, the people there are so charming, so willing to help a stranger, so kind. I mean, even if you are struggling as a tourist, if you go up to a stranger, nine times out of 10, they are so willing to, to help you work through it, which I mean, I've been to South America mostly, so maybe I'm biased. I don't know if I can say it about other places I've been, right? Especially other touristy places. And especially if you don't speak the language, right? Anytime, I speak a little bit of Spanish, but anytime I struggled, they were just so excited to see somebody trying to connect with them in their native language. Right? They're not going to make fun of you for fumbling through it. They're going to be encouraging and you're going to try to find a way between Spanish and English to come to a agreement, right? Or find the words to connect with a, with a stranger. So yeah, probably the people in the landscapes, I would say, keep taking me back. Did you find that to be the case across all the countries in terms of the people or was there um, any particular place where there were more uh, willing to help than others? I would say... Probably Colombia, Chile, and Uruguay out out of all the places I've been were like the most helpful, the most welcoming. Yeah, I would say those three. And and you did have a little bit of background with uh, with speaking Spanish and just just listening to the way that you pronounce some of the cities. It's you have a beautiful accent the way that you pronounce the, the cities. It's clear that you do have some some Spanish speaking <laughs> abilities. Thanks. Uh, I studied in school. <laughs> yeah. So what about folks that don't have any uh, any background in Spanish? Is would, Do you think it would be easy for them to get around? Yeah, I think it would be easy enough for somebody to get around that doesn't speak Spanish, especially if you're staying in the more touristy, popular um, areas. Like I said before, Machu Picchu, or if you go to any of the larger cities, Buenos Aires, um, enough people there speak enough English that you can mm -hmm. definitely get by. And I can't say for hotels because we didn't really stay in a lot of hotels. We stayed mostly in hostels, but we met so many other travelers there that were also English speakers that, you know, we all helped one another kind of uh, navigate that. Um, if we ran into a traveler that didn't speak Spanish, we were able to help them kind of plan things out with maybe a native Spanish speaker that, you know, was trying to plan a tour for them or whatever. So I think locals, there's enough locals that speak English to, to be able to navigate it, but also other travelers that you meet right. as well. Everybody is very, um, you know, cooperative and helpful. Well, one thing too, I found super interesting when you were talking to me um, before we were recording was that you kind of talked about the different types of travelers and the, and the different places that people were from. And you kind of noted that you didn't meet a lot of people from the U.S. when you were traveling, more so people from other parts of the world. And I was just kind of curious, like what your experience was there with different different people and from different places. Yeah. So to, from what I can remember, we only met three other Americans our entire 10 weeks. Um, wow. most, of the, most of the other people were European, 
and some Australians, which I thought was very interesting. You know, very. I think Americans, when they think about going abroad, right, they immediately go Europe or somewhere in the Caribbean and Mexico to go onto a resort, right? Well, Europeans, that's where they live. So they're probably not going to stay around there. They're looking for something else outside of Europe, which makes sense. Uh, yeah. So something I really want to kind of stress in this podcast is Americans go see South America, right? It's amazing. Kind of get out of that European bubble. I mean, it just has so much to offer. Like we talked about the diversity in landscapes, the diversity in activities, um, it has so much to offer everyone. Yeah. Wow. You're definitely inspiring me to go. So <laughs> I definitely plan to get there. Well, um, one thing I want to talk about is the fact that it, basically you and a friend just you know, packed up and did this trip. And there was a, a spontaneous element to this where you guys were unplanned. And I think that it's an important piece to talk about on the podcast, because I think part of this trip for you guys was just that sort of um, confidence that you get when you go on a trip like this by yourself and you just kind of figure things out and a lot of it's unplanned. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the reason this whole trip came about in the first place was because I wanted to take a gap year between when I graduated undergrad and before I went to chiropractic school. I was kind of burnt out academically and just needed a break. And I also had been wanting to do a large trip like this for a long time. So it was kind of a, a now or never situation. And my friend, I knew she would go with me. She's very adventurous as well. So we kind of agreed to do this. Um, we worked for a while and built up the funds and then decided to go. And before you leave, especially when you're leaving so much unplanned, you are a little bit nervous, right? There's there's tons of uncertainty. You don't 100% know what you're walking into. But I think that was part of the beauty of it, right? We left our itinerary flexible so we could make changes as we saw fit to try different things or go different places we hadn't um, originally knew about, right? But it was also a very empowering experience because you know, two young women navigating five foreign countries, right, in a place that's not their native language. Um, if you haven't done it before, you might have a little bit of self-doubt. But each day and each week that passed by, we got more confident in our abilities to do that, um, which I think was a totally empowering experience. And I want to encourage anybody, like, you are more capable than you think. You're more resourceful than you think. So just kind of trust yourself a little bit and go do it. You can do it. I love that so much. So Lauren, it sounds like this must have been a super, super empowering trip. I, I am kind of curious, like, were there any kind of doubts or fears that you guys had, like while you were out there? Sometimes we got in some sticky situations that it was like, oh boy, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, yeah. Like when we were in the uh, Columbia National Park, the more jungle one, Tyrona, it was thunderstorming for days before and continued wow. to thunderstorm while we were there. I mean, mm -hmm. the mud was so thick and so deep. It was like almost up to our knees. So we had to take off our hiking boots, otherwise lose them. And it was the first country on our trip. So we knew we couldn't lose those. We needed them for later on in the trip. So we decided to continue our hike barefoot basically through the Colombian jungle. Um, oh my so gosh. that was interesting for sure. <laughs> When we were in uh, Peru doing a trek to Machu Picchu, I mean, the elevation got so high at one point that I was just, me and my travel buddy, we were so exhausted. We had to stop 
every hundred paces because we were so out of breath from the elevation um, that it was almost like, oh my goodness, are we going to get through this? Can we do this? Um, but yeah. you know, one step at a time, we did it. So yeah, those are a couple of the sticky situations. So Lauren, th- I mean, this was an epic trip that you guys took, and I'm just curious, like coming back from this trip, how did it? How did the experience change you? Like when the the, the Lauren that came back from South America after ten weeks, what what was different? Um, I think first of all, like I said earlier in the show, it was just such an empowering experience. Um, you know, two young girls navigating five foreign countries on their own. Right, we had to figure out everything, how to get from one country to another, how to schedule and book tours in a foreign language. Um, The fact that we didn't have everything planned before we left, there was so much uncertainty and we were thought we could do it, but we weren't hundred percent sure we could do it until we were there doing it. Right. So I think that was a very empowering experience for myself and for my travel buddy. And then also because I took this trip as a gap year because I was so burnt out academically, it was definitely a very recharging experience. Um, It made me ready to go when I got home for the academic rigorous program that awaited me. And it also made me very grateful that I had that opportunity waiting for me at home to begin this next high level um, academic uh, program. Yeah, I love it. And then, I mean, traveling to a place like South America, it's, I mean, very different, I would assume, than, you know, where we are here in the U.S. Like, how did it change your awareness of kind of just, you know, the culture and just kind of worldviews? I don't know if necessarily that trip changed my awareness because I had been several times before. Um, But every time I go, it's like a reminder right? That even though we're thousands and thousands of miles away and I'm talking to complete strangers, we're not that different, right? Yeah. You can find commonalities with everyone, no matter where you're at. So I think that is something everybody should experience as well, right? Everybody has a family. Everybody has interests that are probably similar to yours, right? They like sports, they like music, they like whatever. So I would say when you go travel these places, don't be afraid to talk to or connect with a stranger. You're going to find more in common than you think and maybe make a lifelong friend. I love that. And it was, it's clear that that on this trip that you guys were on, you were connecting with people all the whole time. So that's really good. So I want to pivot for a second and I kind of want to bring your professional career into this Okay. because you are a chiropractor and you know, you spent 10 weeks, hiking through South America. And I just was curious, you know, how does movement play into a trip like what you just took? And and part of the reason why I'm asking this question is a podcast that we released a couple of weeks ago. Um, I talked with uh, some of the guys that I climbed with mm-hmm. and we talked about movement. And one of the guys on our trip, his name was Kendall. He actually started the climb on Kilimanjaro with a really, really bad back. And by the time we finished the trip, he felt so much better and uh, it was the movement that helped him. So I'm just kind of curious from a chiropractor standpoint, while we've got you here, you can just talk really quickly about how, how movement impacts a trip like this. Yeah. So it's uh, funny that you say that, you know, he was kind of dreading the hike to Kilimanjaro because of his back pain, but actually it made him feel better in the end, right? Movement is one of the best things that you can do for your body when you're in pain. Um, I mean, the body craves movement and it actually gets, you know, angry and irritated when we're more sedentary. However, at the same time, 
you can't just go from zero to a hundred like that. Right. Um, on my trip, actually, I did not train properly. So on our five day trip trek, um, on the Salkantai trail, I at one point was experiencing knee pain in both my knees, which I've never had knee pain in my whole life because of the up and down, up and down the whole time. So movement can be such a powerful pain alleviator and great for our joints and great for your heart and your health. But you also can't do one of these major hikes and treks without proper training beforehand either. So it's kind of, you know, a happy medium. You have to be a little bit prepared um, before you do this sort of thing, Um, but it's definitely beneficial, right? makes total total sense and i know that that's a lesson that i've had to learn over time like the sedentary lifestyle does not does not bode well for the joints uh right and uh movement has been spectacular for me and it certainly was for kendall on kilimanjaro so um as we kind of wrap up here i I do want to just ask you for for people that are kind of feeling that call to adventure to a place like south america what advice would you have for those folks that maybe want to go but you know, have maybe they experience resistance or, you know, their mind comes up with reasons why they they shouldn't do it or they can't do it. Right. I would say if you are feeling like you want to do it, but you have doubts or you have this excuse or that excuse, just make it happen. Find the obstacles and find a way to get over them. Right. So um, if it's more money problems, like I said, we worked for several months before we left on this trip. And then when we were there, we ate like poppers most of the time. I mean, sometimes our meal for dinner was bread and rice cooked in a chicken bouillon broth, right? That was our whole dinner. And we would only splurge on the holidays. If it's because you're not sure if you speak the language, I mean, like we've talked about already, you can make it happen, especially if you are in the touristy areas. There's going to be somebody, whether it's a local or another traveler, that can help you navigate the foreign language. If it's just because you're unsure about how to navigate within the city, like I said before, you are more resourceful and capable and intuitive than you might be giving yourself credit for. So whatever it is, just find that obstacle and believe in yourself a little bit and make it happen. Make it happen because you will be so grateful to yourself for doing that. Absolutely. I love it. So I got to quote what you just said. You said you are more capable more resourceful and more intuitive than you think. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that. I hope everybody heard that one loud and clear. All right. Last two questions that I ask everybody on the podcast. So no Hollywood's going to make a movie about this epic adventure that you took to South America someday. (laughs) And we want to know who the Hollywood actress is is that's going to play you in this movie. Okay. You kind of gave me a heads up on this. So I thought about it a little bit. And I'm going to say Sophie Turner. So for people that don't really know who Sophie Turner is, she's the actress that played Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones. Um, I've been told I resemble resemble her a few times. So I'm going to go with her for that. I love it. That is awesome. That's that's perfect. So Sophie Turner is going to South America to to go to Machu Picchu and hike Patagonia. It's going to be awesome. All right. So what's this movie going to be called? Uh, That's a tricky question. I'm going to say El Amistad de Strangers in Spanglish on purpose because this whole trip was in Spanglish, trying to navigate between English and Spanish. And Amistad means friendship. So the friendship of strangers. 
This whole that is trip awesome. was not just about me and my travel buddy, but all the people we met along the way that helped us get from point A to point B. That might be one of the best titles we've had so far. I love that. That movie, <laughs> just because of the title alone, that movie needs to get made. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for being here. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. And for those listening, I hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope that Lauren's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review or sharing and tagging Inspire Campfire on your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thanks for listening. Lauren, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.